It's time for the morning brief where we bring in one of our pundits to offer their unique insight on the day's big stories. Today it's Mark Tui, advisor to business and political leaders. Nice to have you, sir. Good morning, John. I think it's mostly because there's so little else to report on in the mayor's race that everybody <laughs> is getting so excited about uh, Gil Penalosa not running and endorsing Olivia Chow. But it does give Olivia Chow a bit of momentum. Yeah, I'm not sure who's actually excited by it beyond perhaps uh, Olivia Chow. I would imagine that this has been in the works uh, for a while. That might be one of the reasons why it took Olivia Chow so long to actually jump into the race. There may be yet another uh, no-name candidate or two that will jump out and throw their support to Olivia Chow, such as it is. A lot of this is the type of theatrics that is very carefully orchestrated and discussed and negotiated. On the other hand, Gil Penalosa didn't have a chance and if he was actually going to break through and be heard of uh, it would have cost him a lot of money because elections are expensive he's never really had any and uh, you know had it not been for the fact that nobody else ran against John Tory yeah. last time we wouldn't know who he was Okay, um, so let's move on from the mayor's race because that's pretty well all to be observed today. Um, young Canadians got meaner thanks to COVID. I guess that's not much of a surprise. I mean, two years of not being able to be who you want to be is going to have an impact. Yeah, I think this is an interesting story because it doesn't seem to be based on any actual research. Uh, it's a quote of a, a university sociologist who did some research in the UK who's in the midst of a study here in Canada who's just kind of talking. And so she's based it on, as she explains, anecdotes and sort of stories that she's heard. Uh, I think we have to take this with a huge grain of halt. This is the kind of pseudoscience that is questionable to begin with because you can't really do uh, you know double blind studies with people you know in their actual lives but uh, you know you can make observations I think it fits the bill we would sort of say that yeah people have lost some skills uh, she talks about uh, you know the mental health impacts I think we've all observed that but this is not science this is uh, speculation on the part of one sociologist yeah all right well we're gonna talk to that sociologist uh, this morning at that'd be interesting to hear what uh, because she did do a study apparently in the UK so I don't know yeah. what she's done yet in Canada yeah I, I mean I would be interested in just hearing from parents about and and teachers and actually anybody who interacts with young people about their thoughts on this because you're right there is always this uh, alleged road to perdition where every generation is going to heck in a handbasket and maybe this is just entirely with our jaundiced perspective on everything post-covid we think the kids are getting worse yeah, and I also think that it's it. You have to question what she means by different labels. You know, she noted that there could be an increase in uh, misogyny and sexual harassment while kids were working online. Well, uh, what does sexual harassment mean? Because it certainly, you know, you would think that if you're actually sitting together in a classroom, there would be more opportunity for the type of uh, thing that I would slot under the definition of sexual harassment. Uh, but uh, she might be using. 
that word differently. She might be right, I might not be, but uh, it's unclear to me what actually is happening. So one of your specialities is helping political leaders and would-be candidates to shape their brand, shape their public character. So I'm curious about your thoughts, Lawrence Martin writing in the Globe and Mail today about Pierre Polyev. And I have to say, I agree with Lawrence Martin's analysis here. I don't know why Polyev always has to be so angry and vindictive. If he just offered me a better government, I'd go for it. Uh, I don't think you would, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Pierre Polyev has a problem in that he has always been the Conservative Party's attack dog for as long as he's been in federal politics. He needs to transition out of that role into being the inspiring leader for everyone, and he's struggling with that. That said, we don't know when the next election is going to be. You win elections based on money and volunteers, amongst other things, and what he's doing right now, for example, with the CBC, although it's a ridiculous argument, it is an effective one when it comes down to raising money and motivating the base to come out and volunteer to you know, spend their Saturdays and their Sundays dropping literature in people's uh, mailboxes. If you look at the tweets that he sent out, if you've looked at the campaign that he's doing uh, to bash the CBC and uh, Twitter and whether or not government funding is an issue, uh, they all link to a website where he's motivating people to sign up for a petition. Well, that is just another way of doing fundraising and uh, building mailing lists to motivate volunteers. Every party does it. He's doing it. Uh, it makes sense in that respect. The big question mark, though, is can he transition and at what point does he pivot to becoming the uh, inspiring leader and does he have to? Because it's certainly breaking through and getting our attention. We're talking about it on the radio. Being a nice guy when you're number two as the opposition leader doesn't make the grade. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, Aaron O'Toole played nice and played centrist and uh, didn't translate for him. But I just find Pierre Polyev's peevishness to be alienating. So, uh, the driver who caused the Humboldt Broncos bus crash was on track to become a Canadian citizen at the time of that horrible collision. He's been to jail, he served his time, he's out, and he was supposed to be deported, but apparently he's got a reprieve in order to fight again to stay in Canada. Should he be allowed to stay in Canada? Uh, you know what, I have never really kind of taken a side on this one. I think the system is going to do what the system has to do. I think it's not usually a system that makes great decisions. But in this case, I don't bear any personal malice against uh, this guy, even though he did commit a horrific, uh, you know, an act that caused a horrific outcome. And uh, it was clearly illegal. He's clearly responsible. He admitted it. Our law says you can't be a criminal and expect to you know, be welcomed into Canada as a citizen, uh, but I'll leave it up to the, the, the boards and the tribunals and the courts to figure it out because I don't know the man. I don't know what's right here. Uh, I'm willing to let the court make the decision. The number of Canadians who believe in the value of childhood vaccines has declined, and I think it's pretty easy to say that that would be owing to the anti-vaxxers during the whole COVID episode. Um, I don't even know how to frame the question necessarily, Mark Tui, but what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I think this is a problem. It's a problem that predates uh, the COVID pandemic. We were seeing this increase, this fear of vaccines, this sort of misinformation about vaccines well before uh, the impact of uh, COVID-19. And I'll put this very squarely on the backs of everybody, every man, every woman who works in public health in this country because they have done a horrible job. They're all busy about you know putting calories indicators on menus and measuring the speed of you know red bicycles in dog free park zones across the city when they should have been spending their time taking care of their primary mandate which was to prevent pandemics and to be ready for pandemics and to make sure that we're all understanding that vaccines are good for us that is boring work and they didn't care to do it and as a result of that you know more and more Canadians and Americans had very little support for it. Well, most Canadians still believe in vaccines, but the number of Canadians who don't was increasing before COVID-19. And of course, that set the stage for skyrocketing misinformation during COVID-19. It's a bit out of control. We've got to get public health doctors to do their jobs and stop, you know, showing up for press availabilities when they need to be buckling down doing their basic bread and butter work. Yeah, I, you see, I would I would dispute that because, uh, you know, maybe it is true that they haven't been doing their jobs, but the bigger issue would be that there has to be, that these days everyone has this sort of even-handedness about truth versus lies. So they say, well, you know, vaccines work, but let's, you know, talk to the anti-vaxxer and find out what he thinks. I think we've given way too much room to dissenters as if they're the other side of the story. Yeah, we have, but that is in part because public health officials were absent without leave. Um, listen, I'm looking at the clock and we don't have enough time to dig into any other stories except very quickly, Elon Musk, today is the day blue check marks come off the table. Do you have a check mark on yours? I do. I guess it's uh, going to disappear. What I find surprising is that at no point ever did Twitter reach out to me and tell me that this was going to happen, that they wanted me to pay for something, that anything was changing. They just kind of move in their own ways and expect people are going to, by a process of osmosis, figure this stuff out. If they did a better job of that, they might make more money. Yeah, well, that's why Elon Musk may be a genius when it comes to inventing, but he's a crap businessman. Thank you, sir. Take care. Mark Tui is an advisor to business and political leaders, sometime show host here at News Talk 1010, and one of our frequent go-to pundits.